Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is April 25th, and our passage for today is 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Well, this is the place in the Chronicles material that the Davidic covenant is made. Again, I want to remind you that the two most important people in all of the Bible, of all the Old Testament, relating to our salvation and our redemption is Abraham and David. This is why Matthew's gospel begins with, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Anointed One, who is the son of David, who is the son of Abraham. Why out of all the great people in the entire Old Testament, in the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings, people that could be named household names, why would Abraham and David be the two that are mentioned? It's because to them were made unconditional covenants where God said to Abraham, I'm going to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. No amount of obedience will bring this about. I am doing this not because of who you are, but because of who I am, not because of what you've done, but what I choose to do. The same thing with David. Both Abraham and David were sinful men. Abraham committed adultery. There's no way around it. His wife said, you need to go into my handmaid, and he did. That was not authorized by God, and there's been trouble ever since. I mean, after all, that is where Ishmael came from, and from Ishmael has come the people that have been thorns in the sides of Israel as a nation down through the centuries, fussing and fighting and going on even to this day. Same thing's true of David. Look at David and his sin, his life. He was a murderer. He murdered Uriah the Hittite. You say, wait a minute, he was killed in battle, and Joab was the one that was responsible. Not according to God. God said, I saw your heart, David, and even though it was not by your hand that he died, it was by your fault. And because of that, I hold you accountable. Remember, David, after sinning against Bathsheba, had her husband murdered. Then he covered that up. But David and Abraham both trusted God. They were men of faith. They knew that there was redemption in him, forgiveness in him, grace and mercy in him. They were men who walked with God, who were declared righteous, not because of their deeds, but because of God's own grace and mercy. And so God promised Abraham he would give him land lineage. He would make him a blessing to all the earth and in all and in his loins, out of his loins, through his loins, through his lineage would come the savior of the world, the Messiah. Now he made a similar promise to David, not about land and lineage and so forth as such as he did to Abraham, but this time it was about an everlasting kingdom. So let's read about that. This is the Davidic covenant as delineated from the book of 
Nathan the prophet, the first prophet that's mentioned in the book of Chronicles, he had his own chronicles that he wrote down, and evidently Ezra used that as a source. And God was able to preserve that. We don't have the book of Nathan, but we have these chronicles and this narrative from that that Ezra took as a source. Luke did the same thing in the New Testament, and God even inspired Moses to do that because of the verbal handing down of the Torah, of the Genesis record, of the Genesis account of creation, of the fall, all of that. Moses was not around until the Exodus. And so this is the way that God does it. It is passed on, articulated. It is meticulously passed from one generation to the next, meticulously so, not like we just would tell a story, but it is handed down meticulously. I'm, I I can't even describe to you how meticulously, how minute uh, the details that a sofa follows, that a story is told and checked and rechecked. But it is a process, and this has gone on in centuries past, and that is the way we got the inerrant Word of God today. And so it says in First Chronicles 17, Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar. That is a very expensive house. Now cedar is not what we have in many places in the United States. The red cedar, we will call it, that it is made into chest and into closets and so forth. No, no, no. This was a cedar that's very much like a cypress from the cedars of Lebanon. It's very much like the wood that looks like the sequoia of California, uh, Northern California, Yosemite, those areas. This is a different kind of wood. It's the cedar of Lebanon. Very, very expensive. These boards were the covering for David's house. But he said the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Now, you'll recall that God instructed Moses to make this tent of Moed, this tent of appointment, this tent of meeting. This is where God said, I will meet with you. It was a portable structure that always was the first to be broken down when the children of Israel left Mount Sinai, and it was the first to be set up, and all of the camp was set up around that central worship center. That was the center of everything because that represented the presence of God. The entire Israelite nation was to be set up around the presence of God, just as our lives are to be set up around the presence of God. In other words, Jesus wants to be our life. God wants to be our life, not an addendum, not an appendix, not an upgrade. He doesn't want to be a part of your life and mine. He wants to be our life, the center of our life, from which we move and live and have our being. And so this is what God had done for 469 years after they got into the land. Remember, when they first came into the promised land, the tabernacle would have been set up at Gilgal near the Jordan River 
at Jericho. And then Joshua took it and he set it up in Shiloh, Shiloh, which is in the middle of the tribe of Ephraim, of which Joshua was a part. It was in the center of the country. And it was the capital of Israel for 469 years. And then it resided for a bit at Nob, N-O-B, Nob, we would call it. And it was there then, as you would find it, at Gibeon. And this is where, more than likely, David had brought the tent and everything to his own place there in Mount Zion. He had brought the ark up from Obed-Edom's house, and you recall that that took a period of time to do that because David first had this great idea to bring the ark to Jerusalem, but he did it in the wrong way. He tried to do it out of the way that he thought was best, and people were killed in the midst of doing that. And so he went back, saw how the ark was to truly be taken and moved from one place to another, and he followed God's way, and he brought it, and now it was at his house, and it was in the tent trappings that it had been under for all these years. And so Nathan said to David, do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. In other words, if you want to build him a house, build him a house. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in, for I have not dwelled in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people? Now, many times a king or a ruler was called a shepherd and the people were the sheep. And that's what he's talking about. Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord. You shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler of my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Hallelujah. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppose them any more as previously. Since the time I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, also I will subdue all your enemies. And here's what God said to David. Furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house, and it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, he's not just talking about Solomon. He's talking about someone greater than Solomon. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. He's talking about Mashiach. He's talking about Mashiach. He's talking about Messiah, the anointed one. Because we know that was not true of Solomon or any of David's sons until it came to Jesus of Nazareth of the tribe of Judah. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David.
Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, and now we have the prayer of David, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of gratitude to God. Who am I, O Lord God? Now, this is the king of Israel, the great king that God has just said, I'm going to do something for you that I have never done for any man. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God? He didn't crow like a rooster. He didn't strut around. He said, God, who am I? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight. He said, look, you've done everything for me, but I know it's just a drop in the ocean to what you could do. Oh, God, you have done this and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come and have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree. Oh, Lord God, what David is simply saying is, Lord, I'm nothing. And it is amazing that you're doing this for me. What more can David say to you for the honor of your servant? For you know your servant, O Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all of this greatness in making known all these great things. O Lord, and he's he's calling out upon the personal name of God, O Yahweh, O Yah. There is none like you, nor is there any God besides you. You're the only God, the true and living God. You, according to all that we have heard with our ears, you, Lord, are alone God. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for yourself a name by great and awesome deeds, by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. For you have made your people Israel, your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. David's just pouring out his heart before God. He's astonished that God would do this. Now, he's not astonished that God has the power to do this. He's just astonished that he is a part of it. Boy, isn't that a great attitude. And now, O Lord, the words which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, here's what he says, let it be established forever and do as you have said. So let it be established that your name may be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel is Israel's God. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray before you. And now, Lord, you are God, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever." You see, what God puts a blessing on is blessed forever. That's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to you as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.